a guaranteed annual income. The Tea Party wants to repeal the Affordable Care Act. Trump wants a 45% tariff on goods from runaway shops. Sanders wants Medicare for all. By their very nature, such immediate, unrealizable demands create a divide between the people and the powers that be. Most of the time, the American electoral system works to ensure that political demands remain both incremental and negotiable. Our winner-takes-all approach discourages third parties, and the two-party system rewards candidates who move to the center in national races. The center itself is usually defined by a broad consensus that delineates the relationship between the government and the economy, as well as America's place in the world. After the Civil War, for instance, a consensus that government should chiefly promote industrial expansion persisted, with some deviations, from 1872 to 1932. After the New Deal, a consensus on welfare capitalism endured until 1980. A consensus lasts as long as it fulfills a promise of peace and prosperity. Once it does not, the United States enters a political crisis. The rise of populist movements indicates that a prevailing worldview is breaking down. Ignited by the farm crisis that swept the South and West in the 1880s, the original People's Party defied the laissez-faire consensus of the day, demanding that the railroads be nationalized and farm debt reduced. At the onset of the Great Depression, Long's demands for economic equality pressured Franklin Roosevelt into undertaking the Second New Deal, which established the modern welfare state. In the 60s, Wallace attacked the extension of public benefits and civil rights to blacks, precipitating the end of the consensus in Washington about civil rights, welfare, and taxes, and bringing about the realignment of both the Democratic and Republican parties. So what worldview is under assault by populism today? Trump and Sanders both reflect the growing public dissatisfaction with the political consensus that supplanted New Deal liberalism after Ronald Reagan's landslide victory in 1980. In Europe, it's called neoliberalism. In the United States, it might more accurately be called market liberalism. Forged in reaction to the protracted economic slowdown that began in the 1970s, it has prioritized growth over equity, with the promise, as Reagan put it, that a rising tide would lift all boats. It has promoted free trade and capital mobility, including outsourcing, labor mobility, including immigration, tax reductions on business and the wealthy, deregulation of finance, and fiscal restraint to keep taxes down. It has retained, but punched large holes in, the safety net created under the prior New Deal consensus. The consensus of market liberalism was put in place by Reagan and a new generation of Republican conservatives, backed by traditional GOP business interests and members of the white working class. Although many Democrats initially resisted market liberalism, the new Democrats, led by Bill Clinton, soon embraced the emerging consensus on business tax cuts, free trade, increased immigration, and financial deregulation. American politics entered a new stage of normalcy. The first populist rebellion against market liberalism came in the wake of the 1990-91 recession and the weak recovery that followed. Ross Perot, the Texas billionaire, promised to make America work again. He attacked the North American Free Trade Agreement for inducing U.S. corporations to move south of the border. We must stop shipping manufacturing jobs overseas, Perot declared, and once again make the words made in the USA the world's standard of excellence. In June 1992, Perot led both George H.W. Bush and Clinton in presidential polls, but he undermined his own campaign by withdrawing and then re-entering the race with only a month to go. 
While Perot arose from the center-left of the political spectrum, another rebellion was brewing on the right. In the 1992 and 1996 presidential campaigns, former Reagan aide Pat Buchanan railed against illegal immigration and condemned the hired men of the money power for NAFTA, runaway shops, and globalization. What has global competition done for the quality of life of middle America, Buchanan asked. What, after all, is an economy for, if not for its people? The current incarnations of populism represented by Trump and Sanders bubbled up with the onset of the Great Recession. In the wake of the financial crash, the first populist rebellion took place among Tea Party activists. Most were small business owners or members of the white working class who had escaped the worst effects of the recession, but who bitterly resented policies that forced them to subsidize what they saw as the undeserving poor, including illegal immigrants, as well as reckless speculators on Wall Street and poorly run auto companies in Detroit.